Okay, if you would please turn to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. By hearing that chapter, you'll realize that this is the story of Lazarus' death. John is an interesting book in the Gospels because whole chapters are given to one story many times. And uh, actually, most of the chapters are dominated by one story or event in, in Christ's life. And so here we have the story of Lazarus uh, being raised from the dead or the story of Lazarus giving God glory through his death. And so I don't believe, I'm real sorry, I don't think this one's going to be bombastic. I, I don't know if I can be bombastic, but I, I know that uh, you might need a bombastic one after, but you got to rest all day long, did you not? Amen. Amen. I know that's probably not true. Had many, many things to do. John chapter 11, verse 28. We're going to read all the way through verse 36. And as our custom, we'll read it responsibly. Let's stand together. John 11 and verse 28. And when she had so said, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly, saying, The Master has come and calleth for thee. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him. Now Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was in that place where Martha met him. The Jews then, which were with her in the house, and comforted her, when they saw Mary, that she rose hastily and went out, followed her, saying, She goeth unto the grave to weep there. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet. She's always at his feet. That's a good place to be, by the way. Remember that. That's the best place to be ever. Amen. She fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. Jesus said, where have you laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold, how he loved him. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Let's pray. Fathers, we take a few minutes to think about thy son once again and look at his life and how it can affect us and help us. I pray that each and every one of us would be indeed helped so that we might be able to help others, that we might be able to live for Thee more effectively, that we'd understand the God that we serve. And I ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Jesus wept. Notice it didn't say the Lord wept. It didn't say God wept. It said Jesus wept. It was Him and His humanity. <clears throat> it wept. And so... When you're reading through, and you get to this short verse, shortest verse in the Bible, it makes you stop and think about it. Jesus wept and makes you wonder why. So we'll, we will try to consider some of this tonight. Uh, why did Jesus weep? Now it's interesting because His connection to the family if you read through the Bible, this is one of the closest families that Jesus 
had to, with himself. Their relationship was extremely close. And uh, by the way, he's, he's close in general to families. God loves to work through families. One of the things we really tried to do last Sunday was to display how God is doing things within the family, Amen. within our church. Yes. It's, it, it, surely it's single. God does deal with individuals. Many get saved individually, and they, they pretty much stay that way. But God loves to work through family. He's after the whole family. Amen. He's after the whole family. He wants the whole family. Now, in this particular case, this is an interesting family. It's just three siblings. Where's mom and dad? You know, they're not around. You got you have three adult siblings living together, and I think it's interesting. Uh, says God loved them. Jesus loved them. If you look earlier in the chapter when they sent Jesus the message about Lazarus being very sick, it's he whom thou lovest is sick. Didn't even mention his name. Just said, he to whom thou lovest is sick from Bethany. He immediately knew it's Lazarus. I love that young man, Lazarus. Uh, I believe he was a very young man at the time. So he was sick unto death. We know that. But in this family, you have three different types of personalities. You know, I like to think about within a family, you could have a big group and you'd say, oh, that bunch, they're all the same. No, they're not. Every one of them's different. Everyone's a little bit individual. Every one of them has their own quirks. Every one of them has their own ideas. Every one of them has their own ambitions and dreams and ways. And they come, they, they live together, they stay together, and they coexist together. Some families, that's about all it is. It's just a coexistence. There's not a whole lot of harmony, but they're there. Why? It's because of the different personalities coming together under the same roof. Well, you had three different personalities here. I believe that Martha was the oldest sister, probably in charge of the home, because she's the one that received him into their house. Also, she's the one that usually did most of the talking. So she's probably, uh, we know she was in charge of the household. I'll just say a few things. I believe Martha, you know, more of a loner. And you'll see here in, in just a little bit, she's a hard worker. That's what she majored on was work. She was very responsible. Everything had to be done right. She made sure everything was done right. She knew where everyone was and what they were doing, a little bit overly knowing what people were up to and had her eyes on others a little bit too much. But she was very responsible in guiding her house. And boy, was she wise. She had Jesus right there in the middle of it as many times as she could get him. Everybody wanted Jesus to come home with them. When when Matthew got saved, Jesus went home and ate with him. Can you imagine? When Zachar, uh, Zacchaeus got saved, Jesus said, I'm going to your house to eat today, Zacchaeus. And he was so happy. The Lord Jesus Christ is coming home to eat with me and my family. It was a life-changing event for Zacchaeus. What makes these people very unusual is Jesus did it often with them. Very strong tie to these three uh, young people. Now, Martha, she's more concerned with the mills. She's more concerned with the chores. She's more concerned with the cleaning uh, and the cleanup and the upkeep. Mary's different, you know. Mary's the carefree one. Mary's the one that is, how would you describe her? You know, she's charismatic because we'll, most of these people, we'll see, came to see Mary, not Martha. It's real interesting. She had friends. She was dramatic. You know, it's pretty almost certain 
that earlier in when Jesus first started His ministry, Mary was the one who came and wept before Him and, and she was a sinner at the time. She had fallen into sin. And she came before Him and wept at His feet. She's sitting at His feet again. And she dried His feet with her hair. And people thought that's so strange. Well, she really got understood who Jesus was. And so the tie became so tight and so close between this family. So she was very loved by many. Now, Mary, very concerned with learning, very concerned with living, she wanted to experience life. So Mary would be the one concerned with the topic of the conversation that's going on. If you sit, you know, you sit down and eat a meal, there's a, usually a conversation going on. And sometimes you'll see some people, they're not engaged in it at all. Mary was completely engaged in this one because Jesus was doing the talking most of the time and she was learning from Him. And so she was concerned with what was happening. Martha is the one serving, getting things done. Now when you come to Lazarus though, the brother, you don't see much said about Lazarus. You know what all you can say? Lazarus is the one Jesus raised from the dead. You know what else you can say? Lazarus loved to sit at the table and eat with Jesus because he was with them when they sat at the table to eat but it also said he was loved by the Lord Jesus Christ so Jesus loved all types you know you get all the different types within a family Jesus loved all the different types Martha the one who's all about duty all about control remember when she came to Jesus and she she had a bold statement she said Lord make her help me She's doing nothing. Make Mary get off the floor because she's sitting at Jesus' feet and help me serve. Um, she left me all alone. I want to know, know why you're allowing her to do this. It's all about responsibility and getting things done. Now, Mary had many, many friends. Things were always happening around her. She had an ear for the truth, and that meant more to her than duty. Okay, learning truth meant so much to Mary, duty meant everything to Martha. And so she liked excitement. Martha, very bothered by what other people do. Had her eyes on what everybody else is doing. She's one of those types. She's upset about the fact that her little sister is not helping her. What did she really want? Make Mary be like me. How many Christians are like that? They think, I'm the epitome of Christianity. You know, all these other Christians, they ought to be just like me, believe like me, and act like me, and do what I like. This is what I think they ought to be. No, every one of us is an individual. God loves them for who they are. Should we learn from this and try to grow and be better? Yes, but not to be like some other person, to be like Christ. Amen. To be like Christ. So, Mary's the opposite. She's not concerned what other people are doing. You know, it. she doesn't care if the food gets out or not. Now, you can discern yourself if that's good or not. She doesn't care. She's, she's hanging on every word Jesus says. She's so enthralled in what she is learning. She loves life. Now, what we find here, she's not a follower either because when you read this story, when they first find out Jesus has showed up, it's four days since Lazarus has been dead, when she finds out Jesus is here, well, they have a lot of people that came to the, the, the house to grieve with them. 
and to comfort them. A lot of the Jews, many that didn't believe in Jesus showed up. There was strong family ties. If you saw the topography of Jerusalem, it'd be right down the valley, go through the Kidron Valley, the creek, the Kidron Valley, and go right up the other side to a little town called Bethany. It's real close to San, uh, to, uh, San Antonio. <laughs> and real close to Jerusalem. And so, it's really, when you think about this, when she hears, Jesus is here. Martha jumps up and runs out to meet Jesus. Mary stays put. I've always wondered about that. Mary stays in the house. Well, guess what? So does everyone else. Everybody else stays with, with her. Mary, uh, Martha runs out to meet Jesus and she says, Oh, Lord, if you had been here, my brother had not died. I know, if you just would have been here, my brother Lazarus would still be alive today. You know, Martha, she's, Jesus said, Martha, you're cumbered about with much serving. You're cumbered about possibly and probably with the wrong priorities. You have needs, you're doing the needs, but you're not doing the one needful thing which is sitting at my feet, which is what your little sister is doing and you want me to rebuke her for it. And he says, I cannot. I will not take this away from her because like I just said at the beginning, this is the greatest place that a person can be sitting at the feet of Jesus. And Mary hung on every word that he said. Well, how do we know that? Because when Jesus was prepared to die, he's a week away from dying. Mary shows up and busts open an alabaster box full of ointment and pours it on his head. And while everyone else is saying, what a great waste, Jesus is saying, let her alone. If you'd have been listening like she'd been listening, you'd know she anointed my body aforehand to the burial because she knew there's, it'll never happen afterwards. She won't be able to get to me. She did the burial anointing ahead of time. How did she know that? She listened. She sat at Jesus' feet. But Jesus loved them all. Jesus loved them all. Even Lazarus, who literally did nothing. You know, there's a good question there uh, about who the young man was in the garden when Jesus got arrested. They said that they put, there was a young man there. He's clothed with a linen cloth. That's all he's wearing. I always wondered about that too. Because it's a cold night, by the way. It was a very cold night. And it says they laid hand on this young man. And I always wonder, why did they lay hands on him when they could have laid hands on Peter or they could have laid hands on John? They laid hands on this young man. And he took off running and he left the clothes behind. And he ran off into the dark, naked. You know who that was? It's probably Lazarus. You know why? Because Lazarus had a, a hit put out on him by the Pharisees and the chief rulers of Jerusalem said, we want him dead too because because of him, and him being raised from the dead, many people are following after Jesus. We've got to put a stop to that. So not only are we going to ex uh, execute and, and kill the, the, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, we're going to take away the main person that got so many people to follow him because of this miraculous rising from the dead. So, notice. I want you to look at something here. Because I think it's interesting, and then we'll give the message. Who did they come to see? You know, some people don't care if they're liked. Some people don't care if people come to see them. Some people would prefer them not, right? Some people would prefer to be alone. We understand that. 
So they did not come to see Martha. Look at verse 28. And when he had so said, she went her way and called Mary her sister. Because Jesus said, go, go get your little sister. and Go get her and tell her. And so she went to tell Mary uh, secretly. You see that? She snuck over to her and whispered to her ear in secret, saying, the Master's come and He calleth for thee. Well, Mary jumped up and sprang out of the uh, building and ran to meet Him. All the people there wondering what's going on. They did not know. They said, she's going to the grave to weep. Let's follow her to the grave to weep. So the whole crowd follows her. They didn't follow Martha. They follow her out to meet Jesus. And she makes the same statement that Martha did. It's really interesting. She comes and tells him, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother hadn't died. Right? So that's where you get the old line. They've been talking about it. Been, been the topic of the conversation. If Jesus was here, none of this would have happened. But Jesus is here. And so what they did were they, opened, they openly verbalized what they were talking about in private. Now they're talking about it in public. It happens all the time amongst people. But she says the same thing her sister says. And Jesus consoles her. Now this is interesting because look at verse 45. Then many of the Jews which came to who? They came to Mary. So you have these two sisters. One has many friends. One has none. Jesus loves them both the same. And had seen the things which Jesus did, believed on Him. But some of them went their ways to the Pharisees and told them what things Jesus had done. So, let's get to the message. Many times, Jesus was moved by people. He, he was moved so much by humans that it, grieved, it, it moved Him to the very soul. Okay, And this is God in the flesh. It made Him move. Yeah, and many times it says he was moved with compassion. He got moved to do something by who he's around and things that he heard and how people behaved and acted. You know, you could, like he said this morning, just by reaching out trying to touch him, if you mean it, you'll move God to help to do it. God's looking for somebody to move him. The problem is nobody wants to move him. I, I won't have time for the, to say this, but it's, there's two stories in the book of Mark that talk about Jesus got in a situation where He sighed. He sighed. And it was, it was an internal sighing, but it was verbalized outwardly. And one time He even looked up to heaven as He sighed. He, he was moved so much. You ever sighed? Most of the time, what do we do? We sigh out of what? Frustration. A duty ahead of us. Somebody really bothers us. We don't feel good. Maybe we are uncomfortable. Right? That's usually why we sigh. Jesus' signs are because other people are going through things. And He's having to deal with humanity, which moves Him to groan. So when He sighs, it's a groaning that began inwardly and it manifests itself outwardly. So Jesus groaned in the Spirit when they brought to Him a deaf and a dumb man. He could not speak and He could not hear. And he touched his tongue with his fingers. And he groaned in the Spirit and sighed up to heaven. And he said, Ephatha, in the Greek, 
And God healed that man. But it took a, gr a deep groaning because there was a big miracle about to take place. One thing to heal the deaf. It's another to heal the dumb. It's another thing to heal both. This was a strong devilish spirit on this man. Jesus groaned to get it done. Uh, Jesus' signs were obstacles usually by men. And then there's another place where Jesus shows up on the Sea of Galilee and the Pharisees all to come to Him. He's been showing them many miracles. And what is it that they do? Show us a sign. Show us a sign. It says He groaned in the Spirit. And He groaned deeply. Why? They will not believe. It, the fact that they would not believe that who He was, it, it hurt Him and bothered Him. It says he groaned so deeply. It was like a repetitive groan. It kept going. That word deeply means it just went on and on. It hurt him so bad. The people that knew the law should have believed on him will not believe. And they saw all the miracles of God. Nothing causes God to groan like unbelief, even amongst his people. So one case is an obstacle, and you need help from God. That's an obstacle in front of you. It's going to cause you to groan. Uh, you sigh and you pray to defeat the enemy. The other case is an obstacle that you have to endure because of the lack of faith or the behavior of someone else. It's put an obstacle in front of you and it causes you to sigh. Now, the Bible says grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Don't grieve Him. You'll make God sigh. You will make God sigh. So this is really something. Uh, how many times have these two reasons to sigh come up? when God's dealing with people all the time, right? All the time. So we usually sigh from what? I'll say it again. Heat, hunger, we're cold, we're in pain, we're frustrated, we're struggling, we're suffering. We, we sigh. It just kind of comes out, doesn't it? And a lot of times, some people sigh really loud. <sighs> you know, they just sigh. Jesus never sighed from His own problems. He sighed because of dealing with other people and their problems. So when you get to John 11:35, Jesus wept. Why did he weep? Verse 33 says that first of all, he groaned in the spirit. He had a groaning, which is a sighing in the spirit when he saw the suffering that was taking place around him. You know, when you go to a funeral, it's a very, very sad, sad moment in time, and anybody with any sense at all, gets moved. Whether you know the person or not. Because it's a sad, sad time. Now, weeping is for humans. I can't find one place in the Bible where God wept in the Old Testament. God in heaven never wept. He, he laughs. Uh, he grieves. But He doesn't weep. Jesus in His humanity wept. And so His humanity is very evident here he's the man of sorrows acquainted with grief so let's see let's talk about this why did jesus weep why did jesus weep and then we'll finish we don't know how long he wept doesn't say we don't know how hard that he wept it does not say but when i studied the word jesus wept to weep in the bible means to shed tears doesn't mean to scream or cry out in agony or well Weeping and wailing. The weeping is the tears. The wailing is the crying out. Jesus shed tears. Jesus shed many tears. And these are uncontrollable tears, not 
prearranged tears. Some people are so good at. Jesus wept. We don't know how long. And it also, it could be very silent. You ever, you ever seen somebody cry so hard and they're sobbing so hard but nothing's coming out? But then the tears are just coming. That's true weeping right there. When you're so broken up that the tears are just pouring down your face and you can't speak. And then later on, you'll start moaning, groaning, crying. That's true weeping. But why did Jesus weep? So let's talk about this. Why did Jesus weep? Well, first of all, He's dealing with Mary and Martha, two of His greatest followers. And yet they still didn't believe. They thought it had gone too far. And that there's no way Jesus can bring our brother back. It's too far. He wasn't where He was supposed to be. We begged, we sent the word out, and He didn't come. You know, Jesus stayed put for a reason. He stayed put on purpose and allowed Lazarus to die so God could get the glory from raising Lazarus from the dead. They didn't understand that, but doubt set in. They had great belief. If he'd have been here, he'd have never died. But you can't do anything about it now because it's been four days. So the first reason Jesus wept is the doubt from those who believe. When His own people who believe doubt Him, brings, brings tears to His eyes, makes Him cry. Don't they know who I, I... Don't they realize I'm the great God that can do all things? You know, we'll believe on Him for salvation. You have to, right? We'll put our faith in Him. But for some reason, when the trouble hits, we fail to believe that God can do it. And sometimes it gets way beyond reach of help. We still And we start really thinking, well, God didn't help me here. God couldn't do it. Why don't you learn, we should much learn to believe in times of sorrow. His sovereignty. God does things in His timing, not ours. I think Mary and Martha found that out really good there. God did it in His timing, not your timing. Remember that. God will do it when He's ready. When God puts the power out and when all hope is lost. Now, uh, they didn't believe after this horrible tragedy took place. It's kind of why we sang that song today. Uh, when it's all said and done, you'll know God was God and it was done right because it was done His way. Right? And when you're going through it, you don't know. You do, you, I mean, you go through every type of emotion imaginable. Every, your, uh, the uncertainties that we, we don't know the future, but we know that He knows the future, and we know He's fully in charge, but sometimes it's really easy to doubt. Uh, when it seems God is late and He's procrastinating on you, have you ever felt that way about anything? When it also seems that He just doesn't care anymore, we know He cares. When it seems that it's all over and it's just too late. By this time, He stinketh, Lord. You can't raise Him from the dead. He's been dead four days. God's greatest friends lacked this faith that was needed that day. Made Him grieve. Uh, number two, unbelief about from those whom He came to save. You know, Jesus came to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He came to Israel. He came unto His own. His own received Him not, the Bible says. Right? It grieved Him. He could not deal with it. In His humanity, Jesus wept over and over because 
His own people would not believe on Him. It even says in Mark that He couldn't do hardly anything because of the people's unbelief. This continuation of rejection from the Jews and the ones He willed to save the most would not believe on Him. And He got... You know, God has a true care for souls. And if you look at it the way Jesus does, when someone rejects, especially someone you love, you don't just walk away. You grieve. They rejected the only thing that could help them. They rejected the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about that. Jesus wept. He was over there next to Bethany. Mount of Olives. He's looking across. He was sitting in probably by the Garden of Gethsemane and He's looking and He sees the city and it says He wept over Jerusalem because they would not believe on Him. Amazing verse. Right here in the next chapter, John 12, 37, it says, but though He did so many miracles, so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on Him. That hurt. That made Him weep. There were many unbelievers that day. And when you look at it, it seems about half of them finally believed. The other half ran and tattletailed and told the Pharisees what took place. So they commenced to deciding, we're going to have to get rid of Him. And Jesus ended up being crucified. The third reason Jesus wept is what I find. The sadness of life in this world we live in because of human depravity and the loss that takes place in this life. Think about where this is all taking place. This is taking place in a cemetery. This is taking place where death takes place. This is the worst place on earth. You know, and you think about this. Jesus said, where have you laid him? They laid him in a tomb. That tomb should have never existed. If Adam and Eve had not eaten of that fruit, they would have lived forever. And all their descendants would have lived forever. They would have eaten of the tree of life and still be alive today. There'd be no such thing as a, as a graveyard or a tomb. There'd be no such thing as death. There'd be no such thing as sickness. Jesus is dealing. The God of heaven comes down to a man and He's dealing with this. All the sick and the suffering and the loss that men have to deal with. You know, the, the world's full of suffering. You hear it every day. Don't, for the most part, don't you hear more bad news than good? Don't you? Don't you think Jesus went through the same thing? The reality, Jesus, it hit him of what man has done to himself by sinning against God. The gain and the losses of life, Jesus wept when he saw this firsthand suffering. Let's move on for time's sake. I'll just say this one quickly. The wages of sin, which is death, and it's exceeding sorrowful, and it's a horrible event, the whole event of death. Jesus wept over that. Jesus wept over that. Now let's look at the next one. Seeing others suffer and then having true compassion for them. See, this is where good, true Christianity comes into play. You see other people suffer. You know they're, they're suffering. Surely they're going to weep. Surely they are struggling. But it moves you to do the same. It moves you to weep along with them. He cares very, very much. You know, the sorrow moved him to tears. The agony of it all caused him to empathize and the sadness affected him greatly. When you see people who 
Didn't, didn't, didn't Jeremiah say, is it nothing to you, all you that pass by? You go by and you see people suffering. You say, they deserve it. They brought it on themselves. That doesn't matter. You see it as God sees it. Look what the compassion He had on us. And so, He knew the reality of His soon sacrifice came on Him. It was coming very, very soon. You know, tears. Uh, I don't think people ought to fake the tears and make artificial tears. God will move on you when it's time to, to weep. Right? God moves on us when it's time to weep. And, the, and the, whatever the experience is that causes you to weep, it, you know, when you weep, it's the most hurtful feeling. But there's something about it that's good because it's brought you to a point to where you're completely... Now, I know you're, in your, you're of yourself, but you're seeing what Jesus went through and feeling what He went through with all the loss that Jesus went He was going to be dead within a week and a half. And, and, and what, with the crucifixion looming over Him and He's dealing with this, why won't my people believe? Why are my own people doubting me? Why are there there's so much suffering going on in the world? Psalm 39, 12. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and give ear to my cry. Hold not thy peace at my tears. God's not indifferent toward us. You know, don't, I hear people say that a lot of times. I don't think God cares much. He cares very, very much. Right? You say, God doesn't understand. He's a God. He doesn't understand me suffering in this flesh and what I go through. Yes, he did. His own family didn't believe in him. Read John chapter 7. His own family, his own brothers didn't believe in him. <clears throat> There's a good chance some of his own brothers died and went to hell. Think about that. His own brothers according to the flesh. You know, that old song, <clears throat> tears are a language God understands. Say God doesn't understand. God understands tears <clears throat> very, very much. He's wept them. He's wept them often. He's not indifferent. He's very compassionate. The Bible says in Mark 5.38, He saw the tumult and them that wept and wailed greatly and it moved Him to hell when that little girl died that He preached about this morning. It moved Him to hell. Jesus wept. He would never laugh. He, he, not to a humble soul. He would not... I told you so, you're getting it now. That's not how Jesus did it. Jesus was moved with compassion. Grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And He weeps along with man. He weeps right there with you. If you allow Him to. What's that song? I have to try to sing that. Tears are a language God understands. Often you've wondered why tears come into your eyes. And burdens seem to be much more than you can bear. But God won't forget you. He sees a heart that's true. Tears are a language God understands. He sees the tears of a broken-hearted soul. He sees your tears and hears them when they fall. God weeps along with man 
and takes him by the hand. Tears are a language God understands. Let me say let me say something. If you you can't really laugh and enjoy it if you haven't wept. You can't enjoy life if you haven't suffered a little. But you can't truly enjoy and appreciate life if you don't learn to suffer with other people. And so that's what Jesus did. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. So as we conclude, you know, we ought to be like Christ and weep for the right reasons. Think about that. Weep for the right reasons. No pity party for self. You know, if you get on a pity party for self, get to Him pretty quick, right? So He can straighten you out. Get you thinking properly and get you smiling again. Don't weep and cry because you didn't get your way. Because someone treated you in an unfair way. You feel totally violated. Because you're jealous. Someone else's life is much better than yours. So you think. Because life didn't turn out the way you hoped that it would. Don't weep over those things. Don't even weep over your pains. If you can. Those are all tears for self. Right? Weep for others. Weep for others. Are you a... I believe this. This has a, a lot of uh, proof if you're a true human being or not. You see another person. You empathize with them. You put yourself in their place. You say, you haven't walked in my shoes. Well, we try our best. We try. We try to consider them and what they're going through and their suffering. This is a, growth, this is a level of growth in Christianity where you look at that person not in a judgmental way, no, in an empathetic way. I'm trying to learn to love them and help them. And by doing so, your life will become so much, much better. And by the way, you know what it's like to be a man or a woman. It's tough, right? It's really hard. You know what it's like to struggle along and suffer. You know what it's like to, to fight your temper and fight your weaknesses and fight your flesh and fight other people and other people treating you. You've been there. We've all been through that. We've all lost. We've all hurt. We've all suffered. We've had pains. Some of us have been very, very sick. You know what it's like. So why don't you empathize with these folks when they're going through it? And help them. As Jesus did. He went right to the grave and he called Lazarus out of the grave, and it's the greatest miracle probably Jesus ever did. So think about that. Is it nothing? Let's, let's bow our heads for prayer. And as you get ready to, we're going to have a short invitation. Let's think about this. Does it hurt you when your loved ones fail to believe? on Christ? Does it hurt like it should? Have you wept over them? We need to see people in darkness. I know Jesus said when you go up to a door and they totally reject to wipe the, feet, the dust off your feet and say your blood's on your own hands, not mine. And that is true. He said to do that. But you, the compassion is going there. You love people. You're going to try to get people out of hell If you have that sorrow for others, as you should, 
You know what? You're identifying with Christ. You're learning to identify with the Lord Jesus Christ. Does human suffering and human sorrow affect you like it should? Does it bring you to reality? Away from yourself and looking at life as God sees it, as Jesus does? Does it sometimes bring you to tears? Do you weep? Even those who believe, yet they don't seem to get it? They claim to believe. But little things make them fall apart. They display a lack of faith, yet they claim they believe. That should grieve us greatly. Jesus was moved with compassion. What does that mean? He was moved to help. The worst thing a person can do is to be hard, callous, and uncaring. I had a man who'd been saved all of his life. He said, most of his life, he said, I'm not going to help the poor. They're, that's their own doings. They won't repent. Well, God told us to help the poor. God told us to care about the poor. And we're going to do it. We're going to do it. Because Jesus does. The lost. Those that are suffering. May we see suffering, human suffering, in a new light. The suffering of people. You ought to at least groan when the troubles hit on someone else. It ought to hurt you, to move you to say, is there anything I can do? What could I do? And when you hear that someone else has failed and maybe sinned, instead of being harsh, say, well, I don't want that to happen to me. What about me? Always looking to others to better yourself for God. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. We'll pray and have an invitation. Our